grace, mercy, and peace upon whatever circumstances you have brought into the sanctuary this morning. Or if you're listening online, 9.30 and 11, grace, mercy, and peace be upon whatever circumstances you have brought with you to the presence of God. How will he do that? What you saw in the video, how will he do that? How will he never forsake you? How will he never leave you? How will he accomplish that? How will Psalm 139 come true in your life that no path you ever walk will not be hand in hand with him? How does he accomplish that? Three ways. Number one, his own divine interventions. He doesn't have time to call the angels. He doesn't have time to send a friend or a family member across your path. He just moves. His own divine intervention. The second way he never leaves you, no forsakes you, are the angels of whom I will speak. The angels. Matthew 18.10, you and I have a guardian angel that was with us from the moment we were conceived until the moment in his hand we are lifted to heaven. There is a third way that God never leaves us nor forsakes us, and that is the friends and the family that he brings into your life. And I have misspoke myself because there are times when total strangers will be the hand of God coming to you, protecting you. I want to speak about angels. Last week, Pastor Sauer, a great appetizer for what will happen on October 15th. Consecrated stewards, four weeks. Beautiful appetizer. As he talked about your time, talents, and treasures. We'll dig into that more deeply. It is now three weeks away. Why do I speak on angels? I will tell you at the very end of the message why I bring this up in connection with consecrated stewards. But let me visit the realm of angels. And let me look at a verse, Hebrews 1.14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to minister to those of us who will inherit God's salvation? And if you're astute, you will say, that's not possible. All angels are not ministering spirits. What about the angels that followed Satan? You have a good, a good question there. There are no angels now in heaven that can fall into sin. Satan and the third of the angels that he took with him, Second Peter 2, 4, that evil presence is no longer in heaven. You look at Revelation 21, 4, there is a promise made to you. In heaven, there is no more suffering. In heaven, there is no more death. In heaven, there is no more pain. The old order of things that God used to bring us close to him are no longer needed by God. Romans 5, 3, there is something that God always allowed in our life, something we didn't like very much, but he allowed it. It's called suffering. Romans 5, 3, when suffering that is allowed by God comes into your life, that suffering produces a perseverance in your faith. When suffering comes, you'll do one of two things. You'll run as far away from God as you possibly can, shake your fist at him, and say, we're done. 
Or when suffering comes, you will run to him faster than you have ever run in your life. You'll realize why faith was brought into your heart in the first place for a moment such as what this nightmare is causing to occur. The suffering that happens in your life is used to bring you closer to God. And then it says suffering produces perseverance, perseverance Perseverance produces a change in your character. Heaven forbid you are the same person after a storm or a nightmare has come. Heaven forbid you're the same person after that storm than you were before. And heaven forbid that storm has made you a bitter, angry person. The reason storms come into your life is to change and transform who you are. When you've been through a storm of grief or anguish or anything else, all of a sudden on the other side, you're more compassionate. You extend more mercy. You're less critical. You're less judgmental. Some great storm has come into your life, and by the grace of God, hand in hand with him, you've weathered the storm. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Guess what? When you're in heaven, you don't need anything to bring you close to God. When you're in heaven, you don't need anything to advance and mature your character. And when you're in heaven, there is no longer need for hope because the hope has arrived. You are standing in front of your Lord. Hebrews 1.14, are not all angels left in heaven, the two-thirds that did not follow Satan? In the Bible, they are no longer called angels if they follow Satan. They're called demons. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent by God to minister to those of us who will inherit salvation? I would say a word about angels before I talk about three properties they have. Angels in the Bible, they appear 200 times. Forty of those times, they appear when individuals are in need. Or when the country, the nation of Israel is in need. Forty times they make appearances. Every time they make an appearance to someone in need or to the Israelites who are in need, they appear as a man. Zechariah, when he is in his prayers, all of a sudden the man Gabriel, the man Gabriel appeared to him, having come in swift flight from heaven and then stands in front of Zechariah as a man. When the two angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah and they knocked at the door of Lot, Lot did not recognize them as angels. He recognized them as ordinary men. When Daniel was praying over his sins and the sins of the nation of Israel, there appeared unto him an angel But he had not the appearance of an angel, he had the appearance of a man. 
And as he stood in front of Daniel, all of a sudden, the man, this angel, his face began to glow like lightning, his arms like burnished bronze. And all of a sudden, Daniel knew this was not a man that God had sent. It was an angel in the appearance of man. Hebrews 13.2 is a verse that sits with me almost on a daily basis. Hebrews 13.2 says, Take care when some stranger comes across your path, because that stranger might well be an angel that God has sent. On a daily basis, when I'm in a hospital or a gas station or L.A. Fitness on a daily basis, when I meet an individual one-on-one, I always say to myself, could this be an angel that God has sent to see what my response will be? Will I turn my back and say, too busy for that? Will I do this and say, sorry, can't help you? It sits with me on a daily basis. When I'm in the hospital taking an elevator up, if there's one individual in that elevator with me, I will always ask them, are you here to see a family or a friend? And 100% of the time, they'll respond to me and they'll give me an answer. And 50% of the time, before they leave that elevator, we have talked a little bit more about his dad or her mom or my brother. We will talk about them And I have just assumed that God has put an angel in that elevator that I was supposed to speak to. When I come across some great financial need at Hope Children's Hospital in the waiting room, I will say to God, send someone here. And if he sends someone, I sit and think, is that person over there, is that an angel that God has allowed my eyes to set upon? And am I supposed to go over to them? And am I supposed to speak with them? Hebrews 13, 2. Are not all angels ministering spirits? And then beware. The stranger that comes across your path might well be an angel that God has sent. Happens all the time in the Bible. There are three properties of angels. The most important one in your estimation and mine is protection. Matthew 18.10, one verse, doctrine of the guardian angel. They are sent for protection. Second Kings 19 King Hezekiah is in Jerusalem. He gazes out upon the land. The spies are correct. The king of Assyria comes. There are 50,000 around Jerusalem. He goes into his chamber and he prays. He comes out an hour and a half later. He looks. There are now 100,000 Assyrian soldiers. He goes into his chamber. He prays again. Comes out an hour and a half later, he looks out. There are 150,000 Assyrian soldiers. And then he lays down at night to try and sleep, but he cannot sleep. He continues to pray. 
And when he looks out, there are 200,000 Assyrian soldiers around the city. And then his prayer changes. Listen carefully to what he says. He says, God, you are enthroned and surrounded by the cherubim. Will you save your people? Why does he point out to God that God is surrounded by the cherubim? Because he's putting a little bug in God's ear. He's saying, you're surrounded by the cherubim. Why don't you send one of those cherubim down here to protect your people? And God must have taken the hint. Because if you know this story in 2 Kings 19, he sends one angel. Cherubim, seraphim, archangel, we do not know. He sends one angel. And during that night, one angel kills 187,000 Assyrian soldiers. His angels protect. Book of Acts, 12th chapter, 3rd verse. King Herod has killed uh, James. Pulled him out of the church where he was preaching. Beheaded him in front of the congregation. The Jews were ecstatic. And Herod said to his advisors, If they are so ecstatic that I've killed James, the brother of Jesus, the first pastor of the first Christian church in Jerusalem, Imagine what they will do if I kill Simon Peter. Acts chapter 12, Simon Peter is imprisoned. He will die the next day. There will be a trial, be a sham trial like it was for Jesus. He will die the next day. There are people, Christians in the house church, to which Simon Peter belongs. And they are praying all night long, all day long for Simon Peter. In the middle of the night, an angel comes. He touches the handcuffs, the shackles on Simon Peter's hands and legs. They come loose. He touches the gate of the cell. It comes loose. He touches the gate of the enterprise of that entire prison system. And the gate opens. And Simon Peter walks with that angel to the house church where they are praying for him and he knocks on the door. Angels are sent to protect. Simon Peter's episode happened 10 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Simon Peter had another 20 years of ministry ahead of him. And that angel spared Simon Peter's life. Sometimes God opens the waters of the Red Sea with his own divine power. Sometimes he will send someone across your path that opens those waters. And sometimes it is your angel. My very first year in the ministry, Wichita, Kansas, 1979. I come in July and October as the annual festival Mission Festival. They always got some missionary to come in and speak. 
They couldn't find one. So they went to the head of the class, Ed Westcott. He was the one superintendent in charge of all missionaries sent out by the Missouri Senate. He came and preached. He could have talked for two hours because his stories were so fascinating of the life of the missionaries. He told a story back then that I have never forgotten. He told a story of a missionary who was over in Africa, and for two years the ministry had exploded. There were so many tribesmen coming to their faith in Jesus, not just in that village, but surrounding villages. If it was jealousy that caused the scribes and Pharisees to want Jesus dead, it was jealousy that caused the witch doctor in that village to wish the missionary dead. No one was following the witch doctor anymore, the shaman. No one was, no one was giving him obeyance. They had forgotten his existence. They were worshiping Jesus. A plague went through the village. Many people died. Here was the witch doctor's chance. He said to the villagers, the plague has come and many more will die because you have gotten away from the God who has always protected us. The missionary has brought you a false God. He must die. And the tribesmen got so excited at his word. They gathered their torches and their spears and their swords. And they went through the forest two miles to the missionary's house. One of the tribesmen who had become a leading Christian, he ran to the missionary's house. And he said, you and your wife must leave, you'll die, they've come to kill you. He said, we stay here. They'll hunt us down in the forest, we'll die there, we'll stay here. And I shall pray. And he prayed. He said, God, you sent an angel to protect Daniel. You sent an angel when Joshua came against Jericho. You have sent angels to Hezekiah. This poor, humble servant of yours, would you send an angel? If my wife and I die as martyrs, so be it. But if you wish my work to continue, and if you wish to be God, to be glorified in this part of Africa, send an angel. He prayed, his wife's at the window. She says to him, they're a mile and a half away. He keeps praying. She said, they're a mile away. And when they get to a half mile away, he begins to shudder a little bit because he can hear the screams of the warriors. And five minutes later, there is absolute silence. And he says to his wife, what is going on? She said, come to the window. And the warriors have stopped at the edge of the forest. And they are standing there looking up towards the roof of the house. And all of a sudden, they are kneeling down. And all of a sudden, they drop their spears and their swords. And within two minutes, they have gotten up and disappeared like ghosts into the forest. The next morning, the tribesmen came to him to see how he was doing. And the missionary said, why did that happen? Why did that happen? He said, that was the same question the witch doctor asked. 
Is the missionary dead? How come I did not see a flame in the forest as you burned down his house? And the warrior said to the witch doctor, When we came to the edge of the forest, we saw five men on top of his roof. They were 20 feet tall. They had swords and spears. We went no further. Did the missionary come home? No, he stayed there another 10 years. And the kingdom of God exploded in that area. Ed Westcott and that story of his missionaries. They are sent to protect very quickly. They not only protect individuals, they, they protect entire nations. Listen carefully. I've been in the ministry for what, 40 years? 42 years? And a year and a half ago, when our study was on prayer, I preached a sermon on Daniel chapter 10. For some bizarre reason, I had never realized that story was in the Bible. It is a story of Daniel praying to God for his protection as the Persian Empire has come against the Israelites. They are slaves. And he prays for 21 days. And at the end of 21 days, an angel appears to the prophet Daniel. He is standing there like a man, but he has the glow and the light of an angel. And when he speaks, he speaks the voice of multitudes. And the angel says to Daniel, the first day you began to pray, God sent me to you. But the demon angel in charge of the Persian Empire resisted me. Look at it, Daniel chapter 10. The demon angel in charge of the Persian Empire resisted me, and I fought against him for 21 days. And then I called Michael the archangel to come and help me in this battle. That is why that angel was defeated, and I am standing in front of you. And then he said something chilling. He said, the Greek Empire will come against Israel. And there was a demon angel overseeing the Greek Empire. And I shall fight against him as well. I never realized that till I saw it. Never realized it. I pray every single day for the last three and a half years that God would protect us from the evil that can creep into the media. That God would protect us from the evil that can venture into government. That God would protect you from the evil that enters your workforce, whether it's police or at the hospital or in the law firm. That God would protect you from evil forces led by Satan's angels. And when I saw that in Daniel chapter 10, I realized that when I and millions of other Christians in this country are praying for God's protection in the media, the government, at your workplace, that there is an angel assigned that task. Pray 
every morning for media, for government, for whatever is going on in your workplace, pray. My last comment is this. I believe that for 164 years, there has been an angel assigned to Trinity Lutheran Church and School. Why do I say that? In November of 2019, we were faced with an impossible situation. We had over a million dollars of repairs that needed to be made for this place to stay open. I thought maybe we'd get 500,000, maybe 700,000. There's no way we could reach a million. We've set the goal at a million dollars. You know how that ended. 1.8 million pledged. 1.8 million 75,000 received during COVID. And as I'm up here in the middle of the night praying for God to save this church, I believe with all my heart God sent that angel assigned to this church. And then came COVID, and you have a governor saying, uh, churches have to shut down. You can only have 25 people in a church. And I'm up here at midnight again, and I'm praying, God, not only our church and school, but all across this country. I don't know how you'll work a miracle, but I believe you can. We saw what happened during COVID. Offerings were more than they ever were, acts of kindness unexcelled one person to another. And then we started something called live streaming, the angel assigned to this church for 164 years. We started something called live streaming. On September 3rd, there were 1,400 people who viewed the service. And if there were two people in the room, then you got 2,000 or 2,500 or 3,000 people watching the service on September 3rd while we have 450 people in the sanctuary. I believe there is an angel sent by God watching over this church for 164 years. Why are we doing consecrated stewards on October 15th? Because the new threat has arrived. And I'll tell you what the new threat is. I'll tell you what brings me up here at midnight now. We had a prayer service before Fast Forward campaign. Bill and Barb led a prayer service when COVID was going on. And now on October 11th, there will be a prayer service in this sanctuary, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. The new threat to this congregation. Average age of this congregation, 68 to 72. They're the ones who always volunteered. They're the ones who always financially kept the ministries alive. They're older now. Their health declining. Many of them in heaven. What shall happen now? The younger ones here. That's who I pray for. The younger ones here. 
And I believe with all my heart that when we come to Consecrated Stewards, October 15th, 22, 29, and the first Sunday of November, I believe that God will send that angel that has always been here. And once again, the prayers of God's humble people will be heard. You wake up this morning, you're fearful about something. I remind you of God. I remind you of your guardian angel. And I remind you of people, sometimes total strangers, who God can send across your path. Do not be afraid or tremble. The Lord your God and his mighty angels are with you. Closing word, Martin Luther's morning prayer spoken every morning in our parochial school. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, the dear Son, that thou hast kept me this night, and I pray that thou hast keep me this day also from harm and every evil. And how does it end? Send your holy angels, this is Martin Luther, send your holy angels to deliver me from all evil on this day. Keep us close to you, Lord. In our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.